think we're doing with that? Now, I'm going to come back to that thought in, in, in just a moment. But you have heard me say many times, over and over and over, and I will continue to do so because it's the one thing that drives us. It's who we are, that as followers of Jesus, we must learn to do what Jesus did. We must learn to follow him. Now, there's a difference, and you're going to see, between just believing in Jesus. He calls us to believe in him, but to follow him. When Jesus called his disciples, he said what? Follow me. Follow me. Everybody say follow. Online, follow. Follow me. Think about it because you've done it. You have followed somebody, maybe in a traffic situation, right? So what you did is like, I don't know the direction. I don't know where to go. So I'm going to follow you. And what did you do? You kept your eyes on that person in front of you or maybe the person that was traveling with you. Follow that person. Don't take your eyes off them because they were going to lead you in the way to go. So you don't want to miss a turn as you traveled. You don't want to, you know, miss this exit or this entrance. You are going to follow them. And Jesus says, here's my call to you to follow me or do as I do. In fact, this is how he said it to his disciples. He, Matthew chapter 4. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. So they were doing what they knew, right? They were doing what they did. For they were fishermen. And he said to them, what? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The call was to follow him, and they would follow him into a brand new way of life. As you read through the Gospels, what you'll discover is that followers of Jesus are invited to do life differently. To look at people differently. To treat others differently. To look at our, our finances differently than the world. We are to follow Jesus. And when these fishermen followed Jesus, he changed them. They no longer did what they knew. They no longer did what they were comfortable with fishing. They were, no longer did what was natural to them. They would follow Jesus and he would teach them. Follow meant that they would learn a brand new way to live, of making disciples as Jesus instructed them. And as they followed him, what would happen? They would become like him. They would become like him. And they would respond like Jesus because they were following him. As they followed him, Jesus would transform them, their way of thinking, change your thinking. They would, they would change how they acted, how they lived out their life, and how they reacted to life. Their allegiance would change and they would become part of the mission of Jesus and that's to go and make disciples. They would see life and purpose through a different lens. Now I want to talk to you about that for just a moment before we kind of get into the teaching of Nehemiah today. It's so important because when you look at life through the lens as a follower of Jesus, you're looking at life differently, and this is what we call a biblical world view. Here's what you've heard me say, and we'll continue to say. We are committed 
at Gateway to teach followers of Jesus through a biblical worldview. We're committed to it here in church. We're committed, it, we're committed to it in our schools. We're committed to it over in the, in the fellowship hall right now where the children are gathering. We're committed to it on Wednesday nights when students are gathering to teach everything that we can to teach followers of Jesus to live with a biblical worldview as we do what? Follow Jesus. We would no longer see life, life and the challenges, our purpose, or the answers to man's most basic need through our own system of thinking, through our own system of belief, but we would look at these things through what the Bible says. The Bible is a form, our thinking and our understanding of the world. It's where we read the answer to man's most basic need, salvation, and how to live. And so we look at all of the world as we follow Jesus through the Bible, not the most recent book written by man. The problem today is that society is adopting a worldview based on the current thinking of man and trying to provide answers to the problems that we see through a human system, problems that only can be solved through a relationship with Jesus and then following him. And where do we find these answers? All together in the Bible. Living from following Jesus through a biblical world view. Now, why mention this again today? And that's a good question. Because I think WWJD has only become a slogan. Sounds really good. But I'm afraid it's just become something that's just a slogan. In the most recent research by George Barna, here's what we discover. That only 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. 6%. And for you and me to engage in a culture that is opposed to God in every way, we must be solidly, solidly rooted in God's word. The foundation that we stand on to approach life, the challenges in life, the search for answers as we follow Jesus must be rooted in the word of God. Listen to Tony Perkins. He says this, every Christian or follower of Jesus can and should obtain a biblical worldview which is only achieved when a person believes that the Bible is true, authoritative, and then taught how it is applicable to every area of life which enables them to live out those beliefs. Data also found by George Barnard that while 51% of American adults say they have a biblical worldview, only 6% actually hold this worldview. Do you see what's going on? Like 51% say, oh, I have a biblical worldview, but only, only um, 6% actually live this out. You see, it doesn't change their daily living for 45% of them. Doesn't change how they approach life. The Bible calls us as we follow Jesus to look at all of life through a different lens. You, you must move beyond just simply believing to behaving. And our behavior is formed 
by our worldview, not the other way around. It's a matter of the heart. Let me show you a quick graph real, real quickly, and then we're going to get to Nehemiah. Here's what it is. You are there in the center. Very rarely does this outside ring, behaviors or value beliefs, impact a person's worldview. Rarely can you go in and change the behavior of a person. Look, I just want you to be good. I want you to just act this way. I just want you to kind of live out this way, you know, according to this book that we're reading. And you just change your behavior. Rarely does that change your worldview or your, or your belief system. It's the other way around. We begin with the center, the heart. And as a heart follows hard after Jesus, what we begin seeing happen is all of a sudden our beliefs and our values and our behavior changes. We must have a biblical worldview. Now, why teach the book of Nehemiah? It's a good question. Um, so that we can become better students and know about the Bible? Years ago, when I was just starting off uh, in ministry, I was a youth pastor, right? And uh, so we had a Bible quiz team. And they actually did pretty good. They actually did really good. Um, this quiz team would memorize um, literally books of the Bible. I mean, they were so good. But I remember the challenge, and it was this. Like, if all you do is memorize the Bible, and it doesn't impact who you are, you're just memorizing the Bible. It's not like that's not a, that's not a bad thing. It's just it got to move beyond just knowing about the Bible, letting it get into us, let, let it become the, the core of what we believe, let our heart be changed so that as we look at God's word, we become better, what? Followers of Jesus, allowing God's word to mold our thinking and our actions. So as we look into the book of Nehemiah, it's really a continuation of a series that we started a, a number of weeks ago in Ezra, and then we had this short break for a little mini-series we called Fruit. As we look into the book of Nehemiah, we're asking this question, God, what is it that you're saying to me today? How do you want to change my life today? So let me just kind of review just for a moment. Ezra, Nehemiah. Um, in our Bibles, it's two books, right? Ezra and Nehemiah. It should be read as, as, as one, one book, really, one, one story. Um, so I encourage you to, to do that. And if you, if you weren't with us during the Ezra series, I just encourage you to go back to the archives and you get caught up there. But let me kind of give just a quick, quick overview. Israel's in captivity for a period of, of 70 years. We see that. God used Babylon as a tool, and that's really important, to carry out his purposes, his agent to judge Israel for their disobedience. It was a tool. Now remember, we talked about the right tool for the right job. Like you don't use a hammer to screw in a screw, Right? So God used, chose to use Babylon as a tool to discipline Israel for their dis disobedience. And yes, by the way, God disciplines. He gets really, really quiet. Because God disciplines those he, exactly. Have you been disciplined? Because I have. I have. Do you like discipline? Okay, we, we, we can go down that road, I guess, but we're not going to. Neither do I. But God disciplines those, those he loves. The 70-year exile was part of God's plan. God used the three kings to accomplish his one purpose, to restore Israel in their worship of the one true God. 
And God used key leaders to lead his people. So quick, quick little graphic here, quick little image so we can get caught up here. Um, captivity, 70 years. Zerubbabel, right? Temples is rebuilt. Gap of about nearly 60 years here. And then we read about Ezra and the restoration of, of, of worship and the people were reformed and so on. And then there's this gap of maybe 12 years. And now we're getting to Nehemiah. So Ezra, Nehemiah, three, three returns from exile. And so this is where we're going to spend the next number of, of weeks here asking ourselves, God, what is it you're going to teach me, excuse me, as, as an individual, as a follower of Jesus? So got your Bibles? Let's dive into Nehemiah. We're just going to be in chapter one. One phrase here that I think will challenge each and every one of us asking Jesus today, God, your Holy Spirit, speak to me as a follower of Jesus. All right, who is Nehemiah? Well, he, he identifies himself in the verse number 11 of chapter 1. And this is where we're going to sit for just a little bit. He says, I was a cupbearer to the king. A cupbearer to the king. So I want to talk to you this morning about purpose or position. Everybody say purpose or position. Purpose or position. Why is this important? This one little phrase, I was a cupbearer to the king. Because I think that maybe it's one of the most important parts of, of Nehemiah, at least in this opening chapter. See, historically, cupbearer, a cupbearer was a, this high-ranking uh, official whose duty primarily involved serving wine to the royal table. And a lot of us are going to like, oh, dude, I like that job right there, you know. Um, that was his job. And since kings were often kind of the focus of, 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 of poisoning or the plots to poison them, cup bearers had to guard the cup really, really carefully. So they were, they were trusted. And sometimes they had to test the cup because, right? If somebody was going to be off, it wasn't going to be the king. It would be, in that case, who? The cup bearer. So like, he was trusted, man. He was a trusted person. You're going to make sure the king is safe. It wouldn't go to the lowest man here. You take this. So you're the lowest man here. Test it. Let's just see if you make it or not. No, no, no. It was the, the cupbearer. So let me say it this way. In life, Nehemiah, he made it. I mean, he made it. Um, I mean, he's in the king's court. He's trusted. He's a man of character who would have great influence, he made it. I mean, if you're going to look at someone today, you're going to look at that person, you go like, oh boy, now they made it. They made it. I mean, Nehemiah, Nehemiah had something that we're just calling position. That was Nehemiah. And you just got to think that like in this position of being this highly trusted person, that feels pretty good because, like, you, what are you going to worry about, right? Unless someone poisons the wine. But, I mean, you're in this trusted position. But what if, and here's my question to you today, what if his position was God's purpose? Think about that for just a moment. Because I'm going to challenge you. What if his position as a cupbearer was God's purpose? And so the question I'm asking each one of us today to sit on, what if your position is God's purpose? What if where you are in life, I don't care if you're retired, I mean, that official part of your 
work life is over? What if your position today is part of God's purpose? What if as a business owner, your position is part of God's purpose for your life? What if where you are today as an employee, wherever you are, whatever position you have, what if that is a part of God's purpose for your life? And I'm going to suggest that it is. I mean, this position that Nehemiah occupied was a position of influence. But he wasn't there as an influencer. I mean, if he, if he had an Instagram account, he would have tens of thousands, maybe millions of followers. I don't know. I mean, if Nehemiah had a YouTube channel, right? Millions of su subscribers, like, he would be what, what people refer to as an influencer today, right? You've heard about them. His YouTube channel, Daily Life with the King, would you watch it? <laughs> I probably would, you know. Kind of get a glimpse of the king's court, like what's going on and stuff like that. But Nehemiah was not called to be an influencer. He was called to be an imitator. Or one that followed God. He was not called to be an influencer. He was called to be an imitator. That's your call and that's my call as followers of Jesus. God would use him for his purpose. See, here's our takeaway today. God places us in our position, whatever that is, for his purpose. Now, you, you might be that person saying, yeah, 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 you're talking about Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah was in the king's cart. Like, if, if I was there, like in that position, this would be really easy, right? You're in this place of influence. You're in this place of trust. Like, talk to me about that. That would be really easy. I mean, that, that would be fantastic. But my life's not one of these. Hmm. I mean, if you could see my life today, it's nothing like how you just described. God places in our position for a purpose. This is Nehemiah saying, I'm here but I'm actually there. I'm actually going to serve you, God. I serve here, but there is God's purpose. And for Nehemiah, it was going to mean facing a ton of work and a ton of opposition. So what happens if you begin to see your position as his purpose in life wherever you are? What if your today's was a part of God's tomorrow. What if at the end of today, or the end of tomorrow, you looked at your today as part of God's purpose tomorrow? You're going like, I can't do that. My marriage is falling apart. My career is in the toilet. I lost my job. I lost my house. How, 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 does, how does that work? Here's what I'm here to tell you today, that God takes everything and turns it into his good for his purpose. 
What have you began seeing your position today, regardless of what it is, as part of God's plan? What if your today is a part of his purpose tomorrow? God places us and intends to use our gifts and talents, our position in life for his purpose. And so I'm going to challenge you to look at something just a little bit different. Instead of your position being dominant over your purpose, that we begin to look at our purpose over our position. And so what we do is we say, God, right now where I am today, the, the position I'm in, it's for your purpose. There may be challenges ahead. We're going to see that in Nehemiah. There may be opposition. I don't know. We may be in a real difficult time. But God, take my position. Let me live out your purpose. Because your purpose is the most important thing in my life as a follower of Jesus. I'm going to follow you. And so your purpose is my purpose regardless of our position in life. Yeah. It's not Nehemiah's life. It's not in the court of the king. He will face opposition. It may not be that easy for you right now. If you were to describe your position to somebody else, we might go, man, how are you even doing it? But God wants to use you and he wants to use me for his purpose. What if your today was a part of God's tomorrow? Think about it. What if we see life different through a biblical worldview? What have you experienced that God can use? Now, let's step out of the book of Nehemiah for just a moment. I want to share with you a little narrative out of the book of Psalms. So the book the Psalms, it's part of my prayer routine every, every morning. As I was praying through um, the Psalms, I landed on this Psalm and I thought, this is it. Man, we can just get a hold of this. I want you to think about Joseph. Now, not, not Joseph and, and Mary. Not, not Joseph and Mary. Um, but Joseph, the son of Jacob and Rachel, okay? It's easy when we think, remember that dude with the, like the coat of many colors, right? Okay. So, um, remember his story? It's easy to jump to Genesis chapter 41. Just listen to kind of the part of his life that, that we love and we should. Um, here's what it says. Since God has shown you all this, the interpretation of, of Pharaoh's dream, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. I mean, that's a cool part of that story to think about, isn't it? Like we go like, that's position right there. That's position. I mean, that's the part of the story we love. But what about Joseph's todays? When Joseph likely felt like maybe you and I do sometimes, we feel abandoned, Right? We feel like the career's in the tank, the toilet. We can't make sense, sense out of the position that, that we're in. What if we see where we are today? It's part of God's plan and God, part of God's purpose. His brothers, remember if you read this story, his brothers saw the who, they called him a dreamer, right? So here comes that, that dreamer. So they hatched this plan, right? At first they're going to kill him. But then, you know, one brother intervenes and he says, let's don't kill him. Let's just sow him in this pit. And so that's what they did. They decided to toss him in this dry, empty pit and left him there, you know, while they sat down and had barbecue as a, as a family. Here's Joseph in the pit. 
And then he sold into slavery and ended up in prison for just a number of years. I mean, suffice it to say, he had a bunch of todays, right? He had a bunch of todays. But God had a purpose. And this is the psalm. This is the psalm I read. Now begin thinking about this. Here it is. Psalm 105. When he summoned a famine on the land and broke all supply of bread, he had sent a man ahead of them. Joseph, who was what? Sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Do you think he had a few todays? The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. It's a whole bunch of todays. What does it all come down to? Your person, your, your purpose, given by God, is greater than your position. So you might be here and go like, I'm having a really, really hard time at work. And I feel abandoned, right? I feel abandoned. Um, I can't make sense out of life. My marriage, I don't know what to do. I'm struggling. I'm in a pit thrown there by somebody else. But what if we take our todays and we just say, Jesus, as a follower, use my today for your purpose tomorrow. What if we stood in that place? What if we began to invite the Lord Jesus Christ into our life in this way and we began to see purpose over the position in our life, regardless of what our position is. That's a follower of Jesus. Now, how do we do that? That's what we're going to talk about next week. So don't miss next week. Now, I'm going to pray with you right now. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I, I'm going to invite you just to consider, it, things may be going great. I mean, your business may be succeeding, and that is cool. And I'm just saying, like, that's part of God's purpose. It's not about making you successful in a bunch of money. God wants to use that position in your life for his purpose. But that may not be your story. Your story may be different. It doesn't change his purpose. And so I'm going to invite you into prayer right now. And then we're going to worship and we're going to sing and we're going to give it to him. So can we stand together and even online, would you, would you join together? with me, and I'm just going to invite us, maybe right now, just kind of lift our hands this way, and say, God, here I am, here's my position, whatever it is, but I'm giving it to you today for your purpose. So Jesus, this is what we're doing. For some of us, things are going really, really well, but you have a purpose for that, and we want to live out your purpose as a follower. For some of us, it's tough. God just remind us that our today 
It's a part of your purpose tomorrow. And so with hands open, we give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Whoa.